Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Folks, we are blessed today. We have College Hoops and NBA draft writer Reed Forgrave for CBSSports.com. He's busy doing a million mocks. He just finished one right now. He's been writing about the draft, previewing it with so many great articles. We had to have him on the, the Screen the Screener podcast here. Reed, thank you so much for joining us here today. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm I'm exhausted. This uh, Rick Pitino news kind of shook up my week, but uh, back to draft stuff after a pretty crazy uh, Thursday. Oh, the read unexpected the, Thursday. Woo. Read the Pitino stuff is nuts. I mean, we, we won't get too much into it, but I mean, some of the details there. I, that was not the college I attended. That is crazy. That, crazy, crazy stuff. I know. But. I know. I know, but. Sounds, it sounds like it was fun while it lasted, I suppose. I, I, yeah, that was crazy. Former compliance crazy directors stuff, leading man. you. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. So, uh, I mean, I, some people have said he got off easy. I'm like, how do you get off easy when they're probably sounds like they're going to take down the banner? But uh, anyway, that's probably neither here nor there when it comes to NBA draft talk. But, boy, that was some that, that, that really shook up my, uh, my world for, uh, for a few hours the other day. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, taking down the banner is never a, a light punishment, that's for sure. But yeah, b- back to uh, the NBA draft stuff, which uh, which is on the tip of our tongue here for June 22nd. Uh, Reed, I will tell you that, you know, certainly obviously working for CBS, you've been doing this. This is your, your livelihood here. And you write a ton of great articles. But the one I want to start with is I've been sitting here screaming that De'Aaron Fox <laughs> is the best choice over Lonzo Ball. And I put out this whole basis on on why I think that is. My partner Gus Kearns agreed. I'm hoping that the Lakers are going to call his name second because I just think he's going to be the best player in the draft and the better pro. You put out a great article there on June 13th. Will De'Aaron Fox be as good as Fultz or Ball or better? Why don't you talk about that and give us your thoughts? You know, he might. This is a draft where I think there isn't, as much as people say Fultz is the hands down, no doubt, number one pick. I don't think that it is as obvious as like Carl Anthony Towns as a future superstar or, or even Kyrie Irving as a future superstar. I don't think Fultz going number one is uh, as, as much of a sure thing as it's been portrayed to be. I, oh, I think Fultz is awesome. Um, but I question his decision of why he went to Washington. And I question the fact that his college team only won nine games. Uh, and I question the fact that his high school team wasn't particularly good. So, you know, all these things add up to be like, Kind of one, you know, moderately sized uh, red flag uh, with Fultz. Uh, when it comes to De'Aaron Fox, there's really only one red flag with this kid, and that's shooting 24% from three uh, his freshman year, his only year at Kentucky. And no doubt that is a problem. The kid, uh, you know, he's talked about this. He basically said he lost his rhythm, uh, that he kind of lost his confidence. But, and look, small sample size alert right here, but his last 10 games at Kentucky, he shot 47% from three. His injuries weren't nagging him anymore. He gained some confidence. He's spending hours of his days for the past two months working on just shooting out in suburban Los Angeles. So, look, it all hinges on that. Can he be a 35% three-point shooter in the league? Just an average three-point shooter. If he can, look, this kid's John Wall. He's the speediest player in this draft. He's, I think, hands down the best two-way point guard in this draft. He plays absolute lockdown defense. He's confident. He's smart. Uh, he's a really interesting kid. I wrote a piece about him in February. I talked to him about uh, 
kind of the way that he thinks. And he's someone who is like a man of the millennial generation, uh, someone who can have a video game up and be texting, you know, playing NBA 2K, texting, watching YouTube, uh, talking with someone on the phone all at the same time. Uh, that's what I want in my point guard. I want someone who can you know, think on different levels, who can think fast uh, and watch the game slow down for him. So I, I love Fox. Uh, the shooting part is, you know, that's a pretty big red flag, but it's not like he needs to become Kyle Korver uh, to succeed at the next level. He just needs to become an average three-point shooter so that they respect him on the outside, and that'll open up the entire rest of the game for him. So is he the hands-down best player in this draft? No, no, absolutely not. Um, but do I think he has a chance, uh, a pretty good chance, five years from now when we're saying, man, why wasn't he the hands-down number one pick in this draft? Absolutely. I'm standing up and applauding here, Reed, is what I'm doing. Because right. I, I, I'm telling you, I think shooting is something, obviously, very rarely do you get a player from college who is perfect in all facets. It just it rarely happens. Shooting is something that people have shown us, players have shown us they can improve at. I mean, I'm not comparing him skill-wise. I'm just saying the greatest player I've seen, Michael Jordan, was not a great shooter coming out of North Carolina. You can learn that skill. But the one that I hung my hat on is the 39 points against Lonzo Ball in that head-to-head matchup. That's a sweet 16 matchup. They both know what's at stake. The marketing guru, LeVar Ball, I'm sure is telling him, like, this is a battle. And Fox ate his lunch. So I'm with you. For- Locked him down on defense, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, was, that might have been Lonzo's worst game at UCLA. I totally agree. And and one of your uh, partners there, one of your fellow writers, uh, Colin Ward-Hettinger, had written an article about Lonzo Ball that I talked about as well on a podcast about a week ago or so about how Lonzo did not take a ton of mid-range shots. Something like in February when he wrote it, he had 22 shots uh, from, or uh, yeah, 22 shots from, uh, 11 shots rather from the two point range, which was one every two games besides layups and threes. So <laughs> it's, insane, it, that's insane stuff. Once every two games. So I'm with you. As far as Markel Fultz, you nailed it. You nailed it. What has the guy won? He hasn't won anything. It is impressive to score 23 points a game at Washington, knowing you're the only option there, and shoot 47%, almost 48% from the field. But I'm with you. Could you win a few more games? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and I honestly, I'm not sure what to think about that. Like, is it just, hey, he was on a mediocre high school team and he either made a bad choice to go to school, or, I mean, who are we to judge? Like, maybe he just really likes the city of Seattle. I love the city of Seattle. I love the University of Washington. It's a beautiful campus. It's a great city. Lorenzo Romar uh, is a fantastic human being. Um, I'm not sure if he was the world's greatest coach, but he certainly sent a ton of guys to the NBA. Um, So who am I to judge whether that was a bad decision? But but I do look at it and I say, is that an instance of a kid who wants to be the guy at a school? Which if you're coming to the NBA, unless you're LeBron um, or if you're some sort of transcendent talent, you're not going to be the guy in the NBA. You need to be part of a team. So that's a red flag to me. Does it mean that he didn't want to challenge himself? I don't know. I, I find it hard to kind of judge an 18-year-old's decision on where he goes to college, but, but it does make me wonder. At the very least, it brings up a question to me. And look, you, you look at the kids' highlight tapes. I mean, it's like, it's jaw-dropping. He's awesome. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He has the shooting ability. He has the decision-making skills. Like, he's one of the best 
I think offensive guards we've seen come out in a good long while, but uh, yeah, not great on defense. Um, has the potential to be, um, but uh, yeah, I question that decision to go to Washington. I question the you know the team results. Uh, whereas with De'Aaron Fox, it is kind of opposite. He chose to challenge himself. I mean, sometimes when you're at the University of Kentucky, your toughest uh, your toughest matchups are going to be in practice because you're going. That's when you're going up against more NBA players than when you're playing in an SEC game. So he challenged himself. He rose to the occasion, especially in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he overcame the struggles with confidence and the struggles with, in, with injuries. Uh, look, ultimately, I think it's probably going to go Fultz and then Ball and then everyone else. Um, but if Fox makes his way into those top two picks, uh, I'd, I'd applaud it as well. I think it would be a ballsy call. I totally agree. I could, I agree with everything you're saying about Fox. Now let's switch gears to one that we're going to disagree on. And feel free to call me an idiot, like my partner Gus. You're an every, idiot. Uh, thank I'm you. Sorry, <laughs> no, the, every my partner has. Everyone has. I don't get the Jonathan Isaac hype. I, I, listen, I will uh, full disclosure here. Reed, I don't like these guys who have decent freshman years, ten points, okay, as a freshman, who I feel can come back and dominate and make themselves a top five pick coming out early. Now, with that being said, Jonathan Isaac is going to go super early in this draft. So I can't sit here and criticize and say it's a wrong move for him in his personal life. That That's his decision. He's going to get drafted early. But you wrote an article on June 14th, why Minnie Durant, Jonathan Isaac, has the highest NBA ceiling. And I think a lot of people are thinking the way you're thinking. In fact, my partner Gus is contemplating having him mock as the number one overall pick. I just want to know, what am I missing here? When I see him, I see a guy that had a real solid freshman year that is sort of a a tall, small forward. I don't think he's a great dribbler. He was up and down all year, two points against Clemson, four points at Notre Dame in in a loss, eight points, two points, five points, but then he had some big double-double games. I don't see it. Is this guy going to develop? Am I just an idiot? Tell me, Reed. Well, here's one thing. He was a late developer, much like uh, who's that guy who played for Kentucky and then the New Orleans Pelicans? Oh, yeah, Anthony Davis. <laughs> grew up as like a guard. Uh, and Jonathan Isaac was a six foot six wing uh, just a couple years ago. Had this late growth spurt. He's still growing into this body. I mean, he is real thin right now, but he has, if you look at his frame, he has the type of frame that's going to fill out. He is 6'11, and Leonard Hamilton, his college coach, told me he's 6'11 and he's still growing. Um, he has elite athleticism, one NBA scout, someone who told me, uh, it was during the season, um, but he told me, hey, I think Isaac is the dark horse number one pick in this draft. Uh, I, I think that might be overstating it a little bit, but this scout told me, hey, this is the one guy who has jump out of the gym uh, athleticism. Who put me, he put him into that like LeBron James, Paul George freak athlete wow. category. He's, he's a near seven-footer. He can shoot the three, shot from 30, 35% as a freshman. Uh, he's not a ball hog. He plays within a system. People, uh, talent evaluators call him a very humble player, a very humble, hardworking young man. Uh, he's not the type of guy who needs to get out. I mean, like, we were just talking about Fultz, and I'm not going to rip on Fultz because I love the kid's game, but the, he's clearly a ball-dominant guard needs to get his minutes and needs to get his uh, his points. Jonathan Isaac wants to be part of a team, and I think that's really valuable in the NBA. Where I have him going is number seven to the Timberwolves. Uh, I don't think he's going to last 
much past that, certainly. I certainly think he could go higher, much higher than that. But on a team like the Timberwolves that has, I think it's just this amazing young core, one of the, perhaps the best young core in the NBA, um, I think he could be that, the piece that if, if he hits, and I think he will hit, that could vault that team to the top of the Western Conference in, you know, three years. Uh, he has enormous potential. The ceiling, what was it that Jordan said? The, the ceiling is the roof. Oh, the ceiling is the, is the roof. What? Yeah, the ceiling is the there roof. There you go. Yeah. The, ceiling <laughs> is the, the ceiling is the roof with Jonathan Isaac, man. Well, that, that's I, I get it, and that's what that's what I'm saying. I, I guess I, I wanted to see him stay and develop into this 20 and 12 guy, but he could develop. And listen, Timberwolves, you hit it right there. That's a team on the rise. If he joins them, he could be at a real good core as well. So I get it. Call me an idiot, no problem. Everybody else has. Th- this- and you know what? Like by the way, that's it, it's a pick that could totally miss. Like there's some risk reward there because we don't know what he will become. Um, he's uh, you're right. If he stayed and developed, he could be a stud at Florida State, but. I'm not going to tell a guy to turn down three or four million dollars a year um, to play for free for another year, you know? All right, well, let me try to swing again and hit with this one out of the park. Harry Giles. Now, we talked to Sam Vecini, and, and he was going back and forth with me, and I get why Harry Giles will, would declare. It makes total sense to me. The guy's had multiple knee surgeries. If he has another knee injury, he's done in college. So I get why Harry Giles is declaring. I do. But the flip side is, why would a team take him? This is a guy who was the number one player come out of high school. I understand that. He participated in the Under Armour Elite game. He got co-MVP honors back in the summer of 2014. My only defense here, Reed, is he got co-MVP honors with Chase Jeter, who hasn't exactly developed into the second coming of Shaquille O'Neal. Okay, He was not dominant last year. He's a player that is is active. I think he works hard, but he also has issues there in terms of a go-to post-up move. He has the injury concerns. Why a guy who has not played well and I think had zero and two points in the two games at the end of the in the NCAA tournament, why would a team take a, a shot on him in the first round where, I don't know, I think this guy is is really looking at a bust potential here that's pretty high. What do you think about Harry Giles? Look, I, I'm going to tell you a story, and this is a story from a couple years ago, because if you just saw Harry Giles playing at Duke, where he was tentative and uh, didn't seem like he even belonged you know, in the college game, seemed lost, by the way, because he missed uh, all of the preseason practices and was just learning the college game on the fly when he started playing in mid-December, um, you saw a kid who didn't, didn't belong. Uh, but the kid that I saw the summer of 2015, uh, the summer before his senior year of high school, I was out in Colorado Springs for the Team USA. I think it was the under-19 team tryouts. Uh, they were going to, I think, Greece is where they were playing uh, that summer for the FIBA World Championships. I was talking, it was like uh, just a few days or a week or two before the NBA draft where Carl Anthony Towns was selected number one and an unbiased talent evaluator. Uh, a guy who is very respected in that business was talking to me on the sidelines as we're watching Giles just absolutely tear it up, tear it up against guys like uh, Josh Jackson, against guys like Jason Tatum. Harry Giles was certainly the best player on the floor. And this this Italian evaluator pointed at him. He's like, you know what? If I had the number one pick in this draft uh, and you could take a high school senior, I'd take Harry Giles over Carl Anthony Towns. Wow. That is oh. the potential that this kid had. And that was after he'd come back from an ACL injury two years before. Um, he's been mentioned as a Chris Weber type, as a Kevin Garnett type. We didn't see that at Duke. We didn't see anything close. Uh, what Jay Williams told me 
about him in the middle of the season. I think he had been on this train before the season. Harry Giles shouldn't have even played at Duke. Uh, he should have sat out, yes. prepped yes. for this NBA draft, been more of a mystery, frankly, Yes, uh, but not worried about uh, – just worried about his his – you know, physical health and fully rehabilitating instead of, frankly, rushing himself back onto the court when he clearly wasn't ready, clearly wasn't confident, clearly was worried about a third ACL injury. Um, this kid's dreams have been shattered twice. If they get shattered a third time, if he had come back to Duke as a sophomore, and by the way, if he had come back and absolutely killed it like a lot of us thought he could, he'd be a top three pick okay. Um, okay. in next year's draft. But he could have torn another ACL and never never been drafted at all. So I get it why he'd uh, give it a try. I think the perfect place for him is going to an NBA team that has multiple first-round picks. Like, yep. say, the Portland Trailblazers, yep. who have three. Mm-hmm. I think they're at 15, 20, and like 24 or something like that. Yep. Uh, a team that can spread the risk out a little bit, uh, to me that's the perfect risk to take on someone like Giles. Because he is the biggest risk-reward pick in the NBA draft since Joel Embiid. And by the way, even though Joel Embiid is a stud, we still don't know if that pick is going to be Akeem Olajuwon or if it's going to be Sam Bowie. We don't know. Well said. And listen, for the record, I'm rooting for the guy. How do you not root for a kid like this yeah. who's overcome adversity? You got the videos out there. He's working real hard, you know, ice and both knees. Of course, you're rooting for him. But to analyze it objectively. He's a great, he's a great kid, yeah. too, man. Like, he is joyful and and has been through a lot and he is you know he is his family's ticket there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders so i get i get why he's going to the draft it makes it makes total financial sense to me even if a year you know a healthy year in college would certainly have been better for his uh, uh for his draft stock in the future Another another player that I think is a mystery that sort of is an upside guy. I've been big on OG Ananobi. I did an article for a BT Powerhouse sort of comparing his draft profile to what Kawhi Leonard's was back in 2011. Interesting. And it, it just – if I read it actually on the last – I did a Randall Rant podcast and I read it out loud and they're very, very close. You read, you read your whole story? I, I read podcast? I love that, man. No, I'm no, no, reading, no. reading my stories out no. loud to people. I'm my four-year-old kid. He, he doesn't listen. No, my on all my daughter, my seven year old daughter does just to say the jingle, screen the screen of podcast. No, I I read just the uh, draft express. What I did is I did this little breakdown there, and I read this is what was said about OG, and I said, oh by the way, I'm lying to you. Was really read about Kawhi Leonard, but it was super close. He's an upside type of guy. I think there are some teams around that area, like the Pacers, who he could be a great fit for. Talk a little bit about OG Ananobi and his potential. How can you be so down on Harry Giles and so up on it, OG Ananobi? Because I'm Missouri, you know, Reed. Reed, I'm doing. Missouri. It's the show me state. I've seen enough oh, of right. OG Ananobi. I haven't seen it from Harry Giles. Hey, man, I, I, I went to school at the University of Missouri. I'm all about the show there me state. There we go. There look, we go. What we saw was, I remember I was at that Indiana-Kentucky game in the NCAA tournament like two years ago. And that was Everybody was like, wow, OG, he, he could come out right now mm-hmm. after his freshman year. I mean, this is a guy who was utterly unheralded uh, as a recruit. And Tom Crean, man, give that guy credit. Like, he he's able to find recruits who aren't on the radar. And his player development, I think, is some of the most underrated player development uh, at the college level. I, I get why he was fired. Sometimes he just need a restart. But uh, what he did at Indiana, I think, was uh, was a pretty heralded job. Anyway, Ananobi. Uh, I I like the Kawhi comparison. You know what comparison I like a little bit better? 
Draymond Green. Um, oh, okay. He's a guy who can, I mean, look, whenever there's like a later pick who can defend, you know, four or five positions, Draymond's the first guy I always think of. And it's, you know, it's not a perfect comparison, but uh, Ananobi is a lockdown defender. He is, you know what, he's like 6'8", if that, but he plays like he's, he can play like he's seven feet or he can play like he's six four. Uh, he has incredibly long arms, great athleticism, uh, needs to work on his offensive game big time. Uh, like it's a pretty limited offensive game right now, but remember Kawhi coming into San Antonio, that lockout season, he wasn't, he didn't come in as a guy who was a great three point shooter from college. Yeah. Uh, he's someone who really needed to work at it. Uh, I think if OG can add an offensive repertoire, which is like, by the way, like not, you know, if I could add an offensive repertoire at 5'10 and, you know, pretty fat, you know, maybe I could make the NBA. But, like, it's not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> uh, just suddenly become a great offensive player and add, you know, post moves and three-point shot. But if he can do that, I think he can be a steal because he's going to go somewhere, what, probably mid-first round. And, look, he's... I think he's not as risky of a pick as Giles, but I think he might be the you know, second riskiest pick in this draft, third riskiest pick, uh, just because of you know, the knee injury. That's a big deal knee injury, um, especially for a player who relies on explosive athleticism as much as he does. But if he can overcome that, that's, that's a risk that I'd be willing to take as an NBA team. Listen, I, I got to get Reed out of here. I got one more for you, Reed. Uh, I know you got a million things going on. You, you got your mock draft. You're writing for CBS, so we appreciate the time. I, I want I want you to become the amazing Kreskin. Give us some second round sleepers, some players that you think will get drafted mid or late. Uh, we've been touting Malcolm Brogdon. Hopefully, he's Rookie of the Year for the Bucks. Type of guy that you think in the second round that, that can sneak up here and make an impact. Well, I have a story that just came out on CBS. I don't know. Was your last night or today? This Patino thing is just throwing everything off for me, but. Uh, the Malcolm Brogdon of this draft, Josh Hart for Villanova. Oh, okay. um, look, is he going to be a star in the NBA? No, no, he's not going to be a star. He's a four-year player who's unheralded as a recruit, a recruit uh, who, you know, developed in a, at a very high level in a, in a great winning program. A guy who, you know, like Brogdon, does it all, plays lockdown defense, probably not to the same level as Brogdon, but it, Josh Hart might be the, you know, one of the most versatile defenders in this draft. Um, he can shoot the three. He's, Look, he's he's not a creative offensive player, but he hits the boards, especially for a wing. He makes smart basketball plays. Uh, I love Josh Hart for a team that is, you know, that is looking for a piece instead of looking for a lottery ticket. I think Josh Hart is an incredibly, incredibly smart pick. Um, let me look. There's a, there, there's a bunch of other ones out there that I think are really interesting. Sandarius Thornwell, uh, good one, South Carolina. We got to. We got to see him in the NCAA tournament. Again, another four-year player, uh, a big physical guard who can score in a lot of different ways. He's a Frank Martin-type player. and I love – Frank Martin's one of my favorite coaches in college basketball, and I love guys who just get after it in that Frank Martin way. Um, here's a kind of a random thing about Sindarius. His, I just love saying his name, by the way. I know. Um, it's so cool. One I, know. Of the, I know. It's a great name. Uh, one of my favorite advanced statistics sites on college basketball, it's a kind of little-known site called valueaddbasketball.com. It had Cinderius Thornwell ranked as the most valuable player uh, to his team in all of college basketball based on mathematical formulas I don't understand that show how many points he is worth to his team. Uh, you can say, okay, whatever, some 
math geek likes him. Well, this same math geek was pretty much the only guy who was touting Jimmy Butler as a star going into the whatever draft it nice. was. Jimmy Butler was selected Very at number nice. 30. Yep. Um, so, like, that says something to me. Uh, I'm not sure he's not going to become uh, Jimmy Butler, but I think Sindarius Thornwell can become a solid rotation player in the NBA. I'm kind of just looking through uh, a couple second-round mocks right now. Uh, what about uh, – oh, excuse me. What about Jonah Bolden? He mm. kind of went off people's radar. Yep. Uh, which is what happens when you leave UCLA and go play in, I think, Serbia. Uh, but look, Jonah Bolden, when he was coming into UCLA, people would, you know, I, we talked uh, mini Kevin Durant for uh, for Jonathan Isaac. People made that comparison with, with Jonah Bolden. He's a you know, near seven-footer who can shoot from outside and can score in other ways. Uh, he didn't fit at UCLA. I'm not sure exactly why. I think it might have been the style of basketball or the fact that he frankly, didn't get the type of minutes that he deserved uh, there, or maybe didn't deserve. Maybe he just wasn't playing up to it in practice, but he has tons of potential. Um, i trying to think of, like, who's one more? Like, who's, who's your second-round sleeper? Who's, who's the guy that you'd toss out there? You know, if we're, we're looking at second round, I'm looking at players that have had success in the college level. Again, that's my bias. So, yeah. I, you know, mm-hmm. to me, I heard that Jonathan Motley is going up draft boards. I don't know if he's quite going to make it into the first round, but I think in the right situation, he can be a big guy like on Portland that can make a contribution. I'm rooting for Frank Mason. I don't understand why a yeah. guy, when all, we've, had a, we've had a history here, Reed, of small players succeeding in the NBA and having sustained success, which is what all these guys want. When you shoot it, you know, almost 50%, percent 45 percent from three-point range he's a he's a hard worker he's the player of the year i think he'll be good and of course another guy last guy that i really liked in the ncaa tournament tyler dorsey you know who really pretty much yeah. stepped up for mm-hmm. oregon and and he's got that score mentality hit some big shots i mean that was a game when they were playing against uh rhode island that's it yeah that it? he oh, hit thank you yeah tyler dorsey hit that big three against rhode island they were in trouble in that game and he pretty much brought him back dylan brooks was kind of up and down those are the type of guys i like in the second round who have sustained success my partner also likes a guy throughout there cam oliver from nevada yeah cam oliver's a stud like those are all i think really great picks uh, and i'm with you like once you get to the second round you know every once in a while you're going to hit on a star but i think you just want a guy who can contribute i mean what i'd love to see i want to see at, with the 60th pick um, who has the 60th pick? Atlanta Hawks. I'd love to see them make that like the I- Isaiah Thomas uh, memorial pick, and every year it goes to a sub seven footer. How about Marcus Keene out of Central Michigan? Oh yeah, led all of college basketball in scoring. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I'd love to see it happen. Um, one one other guy because in the second round, if you just get a solid player, a guy who can contribute something to your team, that's a huge win. Uh, what about Alex Peters? Uh, I'm sorry, Alec Peters. Yeah, from yeah, for Valpo. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He's like an incredible shooter. He's a big man. He's not an athlete, but like I think he'll be in the NBA for ten years just because you know, when you can shoot forty plus percent from three and also be able to bang down low, uh, make shots in creative ways all over the court, shoot at a very high level from the free throw line. I mean, that's a really valuable skill in the NBA. So he's he's another guy. I think this this second round is going to be really interesting because I think obviously there's not you can never predict who's going to become a star out of the second round because that's just such a rare thing and such a lottery ticket type of thing. You just get lucky sometimes. But I think there's a lot of guys who can be really solid contributors. Yeah, and of course, we, we've been big here on the hashtag draft Jake Wiley bandwagon. You know, what what, is, what a personal <laughs> story he's overcome. He actually did real well in Portsmouth. So we're hoping for him, of course, somebody takes a flyer in him and, and, and takes a shot on a kid with an incredible personal story. 
Or, I mean, like, I mean, if you don't get drafted, if you're Jake Wiley, that means you get to pick where you go. Yep. Like, so mm-hmm. it's not it's not the end of the world if he doesn't get drafted, signs on with someone as uh, as an undrafted free agent, and, uh, you know, gets his chance in summer league to really you know, show, what he, show what he's made of. So not the end of the world if he doesn't get drafted. I'm with you. I hope that he does. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. It is, you know, one of them, you know, him and, you know, Derek White out of Colorado are easily the two, you know, most surprising and unlikely names who are tossed out there in this NBA draft. So it's, it's cool to hear. And uh, it, it, it's, yeah, just a, just a phenomenal story. Easy kid to root for. Uh, folks, College Hoops, an NBA draft writer for CBS Sports, Reed Forgrave, cannot thank you enough for a few minutes here. Gave us a ton of information, inside scoop. He's writing articles every day. He's got mock drafts. And Reed, if that second pick goes to De'Aaron Fox, you will hear me all the way from New Jersey screaming at the top of my lungs, Magic, show some guts. Make the right move, Magic. It would be ballsy, man. It would be a ballsy pick because I'm not sure if Lakers fans would be uh... – Excited about, uh, you know, the heir apparent Lonzo Ball uh, going somewhere else. But, uh, you know, people booed when Chris Porzingis uh, yep. was selected. And look how that turned out. Exactly. That's exactly right. Reed, thanks so much, man. I'll get you out of here for a few moments. We'll, we'll be following you. And, and folks, follow him at Reed Forgrave, R-E-I-D, on Twitter. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. And uh, we know you'll be watching on the 22nd like we will. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Talk to you. Thanks.